Um, we continue our series, which will lead and conclude uh, just before Easter, uh, as we've been looking at the book of James. And uh, James is the most incredibly practical book. It addresses so many wonderful things. And we're into chapter 3 this week, uh, which is actually one of the most useful passages of Scripture in the entire whole book. And uh, what it does is it addresses one of the biggest things that gets us into trouble. In our lifetime, the things that we get into trouble most actually are to do with what comes out of our mouths. And uh, James addresses this in a really helpful and brilliant way. So we're going to do what we normally do. We're going to read through the scriptures together and uh, then just kind of take it piece by piece and unpack a few things and see what we might learn from it, but also what God might speak to you about it and then look at some ways of, well, what can we actually do about that? Because like the whole book of James, it's not about just being hearers of the word, it's about being doers of the word and obeying what the scriptures actually teach. So, uh, if you have a Bible, uh, that would be tremendous. If not, the words come up on the screen here. We're in the NIV today, and uh, we begin at verse 1. We're going to read the first 12 verses. If we have time, we'll cover the last bit of the chapter, but we'll see how we go. Here we go. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of the Lord, given to us, written hundreds of years ago, faithfully by a guy called James. And it's written, intended for the hearers of the word then, and it's written, intended for the hearers of the word now. Thanks be to God that we have this. And thanks be to God for those who put into practice the things that we read and the things that we learn. James begins by saying that not many of us should want to be teachers because uh, they'll be judged more strictly, which is slightly 
frustrating for myself because it's part of the job description. But really what he's saying here is simply if we intend to speak on behalf of God, to take what God has said and is saying, that we better get it right. <laughs> and the reality is we don't always get it right. If you've been around the church any time, I don't mean just our church, but the church, you'll know that people in my position with a microphone in front of their lips are in a really influential and honored position. And sometimes just being human, we can sometimes make things out to be and to say what we want it to say, actually. And it's uh, with humility and um, a sense of reverence that you know, I get to do what I get to do. And boy, I hope I get it right most of the time. But I, I know sometimes I do get it wrong. And uh, so it's important that whenever we take the scriptures, that we take them to try and uh, understand them, but to teach in such a way as uh, what God is saying to us through them. It goes on to say um, that we're all at fault in terms of the words in which we speak. There's not one of us here that hasn't said the wrong thing at, at some point in our lives. And I have alluded to this very thing. I think most times I've spoken on this subject. Part of what I do is going into school, mentoring some teenagers uh, together with others from the church here. And we do a bit of one-to-one -one with sometimes with children that just need a little bit of extra attention for getting themselves in bother. And probably the biggest thing that gets these kids in bother is their mouths. <laughs> Not being able to shut them. <laughs> it's what comes out of them that often leads them into trouble and receives punishment and all the rest. But all of us are guilty, aren't we? All of us um, have fallen short and have used our words incorrectly and here are just some of the ways in which we can use words incorrectly and in a way that does not honor the lord it's through gossip through slander outbursts of anger boasting lying cursing criticism abuse dirty jokes coarse language complaining moaning betraying and this last one all electronic communication even if it doesn't come out of our mouths, it comes through the keypad or whatever it might be. All of those ways, all of the ways in which we use our words in a negative sense, bring dishonor to the Lord and have the ability actually to cause damage and to create harm for ourselves, but usually for the hearers and the people that we could be speaking about who aren't even present in the room. In verse 3 and 4, James uses two brilliant illustrations, actually, to illustrate the power of the tongue inside of our mouths. And first of all, he uses um, uh, horses. And I'm no equestrian kind of guy. I don't really know how to do things like that. And in fact, I rode a horse once upon a time. Uh, was it a camel? <laughs> I think you, th you think I'd know the difference, right? No, my friend was on one of them. No, my friend was on the horse. I was on the camel. That was it. I, there's never in the notes. <laughs> this, is where, this is where it goes pear-shaped. <laughs> this is where I'm not in control of the tongue. So and then I'll tell you that story afterwards. I'm just going to divert. And, unless you want to know. Do you want to know the story? Yeah. 
Oh, you do? Okay. So we're in Egypt, and uh, I'm 19 years of age. I'm on a gap year, and uh, we've gone to see the pyramids. Uh, unbelievable. We've gone trekking. My friend's on the horse. I'm on the camel. He's got the faster creature. I've got the slow thing. And all of a sudden, the guide just thought it'd be dead funny and takes the, takes the reins of his horse and absolutely wallops the backside of this horse. And it goes bucked off <laughs> into the sand, into the desert. And I'm absolutely uncontrollably laughing as my friend is completely in, not in control of the horse. That was all the story was. It wasn't even that good, was it? No, that was rubbish. Okay, so the point James is trying to make about the horse is this. A bit is a bit of metal that goes in the horse's mouth, and I think this is how it works. I think if you pull on one rein and push on the other or let the other one go or something, you can control and turn the animal. Is that right? I'm looking at people who are horsey. Yes, you look like a, you. There's a horsey person there that's giving me the nod. That's fantastic. And then the second one, I'm going to look to the horsey person's dad because I know that he sails boats, is... Um, is a rudder is the bit at the back of the boat that if you turn the would be a tiller uh-huh or the wee wheel if you're sailing one of those kind of boats it changes the rudder at the back and it's a very small thing like the bit in the horse's mouth and gets to turn the entire ship two brilliant illustrations James pointed out much better than I've tried to here likewise our tongue is small in our body, but it makes great boasts and has the power to control our whole being and whole beings around us. Some examples of how our words can really influence things. Uh, in a former life, I was a teacher, and um, I used to teach PE, and I used to take boys from this school here to play football matches against other schools. And there was one particular school which will remain nameless within the East Antrim area. And we used to play them, and uh, I noticed that the teacher from the other team just had the ability to hugely influence his team by praise and encouragement. I mean, he used to stand on the sideline going, wow, boys, that's just amazing. You guys are absolutely brilliant. It's just gushing, overflowing praise, which was over and above. I thought, this is ridiculous and so un-Northern Ireland. It's unbelievable. And, and I noticed the power that it had on his team. But I also noticed the power and ne from a negativity from my own team as they're listening to this voice, this one voice on the sideline, and I saw the power that it had on the, on the sideline. So you can guess what I did. Exactly the same. And counteracted that. And it's, 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 that's kind of how it works. I was running with a friend of mine just during the week, and, uh, and he, we were chatting about someone else that we know, and they would be of a similar sort of ability. And he, used to say, he said this to me. He said, I love racing against such and such. I love racing against him because... Because I know that things that I say when I'm alongside him can really affect the way he's racing. And he, d he demonstrated, it's so funny, we're, we're just out running together alongside each other. And, he, and he'd run alongside and go, oh, flip. this is really hard, isn't it? And he'd kind of say those words and then run straight past him. And he said he knew at that moment just even those words would break him. <laughs> I wasn't saying that was a good thing. I'm saying that this is an example of the power of our words. 
We know, don't we, the words that we speak over our children carry weight and carry power and they carry clout, don't they? Both good and both bad. Sometimes we say things and we don't even realize the impact actually that they're having. And that's not for us as parents to beat ourselves up and feel really guilty about it. But it is to weigh them before the Lord and consider them actually. Consider people who are involved in sales. You've heard of um, things like, oh, such and such. They've really got the gift of the gab. My, my father was a salesman and did very well. Why? Because he was just great with people, but he knew what to say in a certain situation and could sell his products in a way to people that might not even need them. You've heard of the phrase, I've never heard it till I moved here. It's wonderful. They could sell ice to the Eskimos. You heard that one? Someone who has the ability to use their words with huge weight and with power in order to uh, get people to do other things. James uses a third illustration. He says, consider a forest fire, the devastation caused. Uh, we can recall within the last 12 months the, the old building in the center of Belfast, the Premark building. Uh, I was there just last, last Saturday for the first time seeing the devastation that it caused that one building. A small spark caused not only that one fire to that one old prestigious building, but the impact that it had on the surrounding businesses and the impact that would have happened on sales and on people's uh, work and lives. Consider the forest fire that took place at the Knocker Monument just a few months ago. Those of you who remember it, I just saw smoke coming out of the Knocker thinking, oh my goodness, what's going on there? Caused by a single spark, which caused great devastation. James again using this simple analogy and illustration, the smallness of our tongue and our mouths and our voices and the things that come out can if we're not careful, cause huge devastation. But we don't want to do that because we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who, if we surrender our lives to him, the Holy Spirit who empowers us and uh, gifts us and as we spend more time in his presence, transforms our lives, we actually begin to take on the very persona of who God really is and therefore we begin to behave and act like he does and one of the fruits of the spirit the last one in the list that we read in Galatians 5 is self-control and actually with time we actually can bring a sense of self-control to our voice to our words James goes on and makes another direct uh, point. He says that our same mouths and tongues have the ability on the one hand to praise God and on the other hand to curse human beings and asks this question, how can this be? How can it be with the same tool that we get to, that we can do both things? And asks, can fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? We're the people of God, and we want our lives to count. And therefore, our voice and our words, directed in the right way, have the power to actually bring life. James is talking very much about taming the tongue, 
about guarding our tongue from devastation and harm. We want to take things a step further and say, do you know what? Our very words have such power to, to actually bring life. And we get to do that. When we get to speak with individuals and they're saying wrong things and bad things about themselves, we get to speak truth into their life and say, that's not who you are. And it's not that we make gushing things up to make them feel good about themselves, but we get to speak the truth and we get to honor the person and bring life out of the situation. Very briefly, some biblical illustrations or examples. John 4, Jesus uses his words to bring a woman in shame out of shame. Meets this woman, a Samaritan woman at the well. We know the story so well, many of us. And he speaks words into that woman's life that actually transforms that woman's life very, very quickly. John 21, another passage I've used often to speak from, is when Peter has denied Jesus three times and, and Jesus restores Peter through his words, brings life to him. Esther, in Esther chapter 4, Mordecai, her uncle, uh, speaks words of life and and calls out of Esther her true destiny and her true calling in life. Song of Songs, Solomon verbally affirms the beauty of his maiden, uses the power of his words written down to say how beautiful and how lovely she is. I mean, we had it demonstrated this morning with Philippa. I mean, Philippa described her husband as beautiful. <laughs> I mean, it just has the power to transform a person's life. It is important that we speak truth, mind. Um, <laughs> see what we've done just right there? I've just been Northern Irish right there. Build you up, Build you up and cut you down. <laughs> in Acts 9, uh, Barnabas, he persuades the people in Jerusalem, you need to trust this guy, Paul. Paul, y yes, I know he used to kill us for a living, but actually, he's come good. He's turned good. It's, it's going to be all right. And has the ability with his words to convince the people to stay and not run away. If we allow the Holy Spirit to control our tongues, we actually have the ability to bring life around us. We all get an opportunity to do that. And in our culture, actually, words carry power and they carry clout. And I've said many times before, and I've made a bit of fun about it just there, that in, in the culture here, there really is a put-down culture. And I know lots of it's in the name of banter, but a lot of it goes too far. And I see it from my own kids' lives up, especially in teenagers and especially in teenage boys. And then we wonder why they struggle with their mental health. And we wonder why people are feeling rotten about themselves because they haven't been built up, they've been brought down. And we have, we, the people of God, have the ability and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives to bring life. What I'd like us to do, this is a massive risk what I'm about to do, and uh, some of you are going to really like this and you're going to go, Paul, that was great. And some of you are really going to hate me afterwards and 
if that's the case, well, you can keep your words to yourself and you can <laughs> just think ill of me yourself. <laughs> uh, something I learnt last week, uh, our teenagers had a guest uh, over and uh, took, the, took sold. It was great fun, it was a good time, Emma. And um, one of the things that this guy, his name Zeke, which is short for Ezekiel, uh, did with the teenagers. At first I thought, oh, mate, this is going to bomb. But it was incredibly powerful. And I thought that we would do it together this morning. And I asked two of the teenagers that were there last week, should I do this with the adults? And they said yes. So if this is really bad, blame them. <laughs> okay? And what, what Zeke said and what he modeled and what he demonstrated was encouragement. He said, we have an inability to encourage each other. And we need to learn, actually, and we need to practice how to encourage one another. And so he demonstrated it in front of the whole group. And I'm about to stick my neck on the line and I'm about to demonstrate it in front of everyone and then get you guys to have a go at doing it. And it's basically this. In fact, look, why don't we demonstrate it? I need a volunteer, someone that I know, to come and stand here with me. Brian Murr. Good man, Brian. This is Brian. The baby will be fine. Steve's got a close eye there. Okay, so this is how he did it. I'm getting nervous doing it. Oh my goodness, this is so weird. And you're going to be nervous doing it too. Now, you need to look at me and I need to look at you, so we're not, no one's here. So, so this is it. And I'm looking you in the eye and you're looking me in the eye and simply this, Brian, I just see a real holy man of God who has done really, really well faithfully as a father, fathering three young boys and you've weathered uh, a period of life which has been really, really tough with three young kids. You are obedient to the Lord in terms of hearing what God has for you and your life and there's been th good things that God's spoken to you in the past which uh, have sat with you for some time and I know because we've had conversations that you are now beginning to be obedient to the things that God's spoken to you and you're beginning to step into those things uh, for him which will bring life to you but it will bring life to other people around you as you're faithful uh, to that. Now, you're the recipient. You need to suck that up, which means you need to go. <laughs> <laughs> now, you need to say to me, is there anything else, Paul? Is there anything else, Paul? <laughs> no, I think that's all for now. <laughs> and then he would do the same to me. Okay. Oh, do you want to do it? Sure. Oh, flip, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's harder to receive, I think, isn't it? <laughs> right, okay, go on then. I'm glad he trusts me. Um, okay. I see you as a man who is faithful, who is honourable, who is strong, not physically, but that's there. <laughs> But strong is that you, you carry a weight and you carry a load. And there's a toll with what you carry in leadership. And you carry that well and you carry it faithfully. You struggle with it, but you carry it. 
Um, I see you as a man who has people around you that have your back because you lead. And as you lead as a leader, people faithfully follow because you're honorable in your leadership. Now you have to suck it up. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else you have to ask me? I respect the man that you are. Thank you. Well done, mate. Bless you. Okay. Here's how it's going to work. If you don't want to do it, that's okay. Because we're not going to make you do it. But it would be really good if you did it. So what I'd like to do, uh, Nathan, I wonder, could you stick just some music on really lightly in a minute after I've done the instructions, is, is in a minute, I'm just going to ask you to stand. And uh, you can do this with someone that you feel really safe with. Could be your partner uh, if you've come together. Or go and do it with someone completely, uh, someone that you know or someone that you actually don't know all that well, but you know a bit about them. And, uh, and what would be really helpful is if no one gets left alone. So look around. Uh, so if you're in a pair already, l- be mindful and look around and see if there's someone else actually that needs to buddy up with someone else because that would be, r- yeah, be good that everyone gets to play if they want to. And if you don't want to partake, that's absolutely fine. You can just stand and observe what's going on or just stay seated. That's absolutely fine. Okay. So you stick some music on. Great. And why don't we stand? We're going to spend about three or four minutes. Please have a go at doing this. See how you get on. The goal is using your words to encourage one another. If you're on your own, look for someone else who's on their own. And if you don't want to, just stay as you are. Remember, you've got to suck it up and then swap over.
If we could draw it to a close, that would be great. And uh, whenever you are done, take your seats. Wow. That that was uh that was really powerful. Like um that was a that was a real risk doing that and that was real risky for you doing that. And actually I could sense from what I was saying there was like, Oh, I don't wanna do that and I, I knew there was an element of it, it feels awkward. But actually, see, watching that, that was so powerful. And it doesn't have to stop there. That should just, just be natural. Overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Speak goodness, speak well of one another. I want to take uh, no more than five minutes and wrap things up. I have more to say, but uh, not this morning. I want to leave a bit of time for worship and prayer at the end, actually. So... I want to just look at three brief things here that will help actually guard our tongues from uh, getting ourselves into trouble. And the first one is this, is to value silence. Proverbs 17, uh, 27, 28 says this. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. We need to use our words with restraint. And uh, sometimes, you know, we just need to know actually when to keep our mouth shut and just allow our thoughts to remain as they are, and that's just thoughts in our heads. And it's learning to discern when to speak and then what to say and then how to say it. But too often, I know in my own life, I've gotten myself in trouble from not reflecting and not taking a moment to think and it's just come out and then I've regretted it later, usually with an apology later on as well. And so it's good just to, I said when we did the Proverbs series, if you want to sin less, speak less. And so uh, it's just knowing when to speak and when to be restraintful. Secondly is watch your tone. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How we say things carries weight, doesn't it? There's a big difference between saying, please would you mind just taking your seat and sit down. And uh, I would do this again with kids that I visit in school and sort of saying, I know when teachers say things to you, it really annoys you and usually uh, from the other side of the fence it's usually because a person's already stressed or not evenly tempered and it's usually that our words that come harshly come from a place of frustration or a place of tiredness or whatever else it may be and that's just where our only control is that is to um, come from a place of peace and come from a place of 
emotional quietness and all of the rest. But again, knowing that we're human and knowing often that stressful situations can really affect our moods and our state of mind. Whilst we're on that, is, is again, we, we know this stuff, but I feel like I need to say it again, is just being cautious about what we write in communication, be it text messages and emails and what have you, because very often that doesn't carry tone in our words, and we're all humans again, and we might read a message and go, hey, I don't, don't really like that. And in those situations, it is important that we go to the person and say, hey, you, you, you wrote this, what, what did you mean by that? And not assume, because very often we misinterpret, we misread what is being said through stuff that is written. And so very often as well, if you're in any doubt as the person writing, should I or shouldn't I? I think often it's best is not to write something. And, and if you feel like you need to respond written, just say, hey, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Can we talk about that? And I often find, and found this with lots of us here, it, it's uh, so much better dealt with just during a face-to-face -face open conversation because you can take into account tone and what have you. And if there's misunderstanding, hopefully within conversation, which you don't get in written stuff, you can get to um, mean what you say and the person to receive what you said. Thirdly, think before you speak. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. We've said this one before, we'll say it again. Wonderful acronym of think. T is for true. Is it truthful what you're saying? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? Is it N, necessary? And K, is it kind? If it's none of those things, or it doesn't, if it's not yes to any of those, and probably best as you're thinking is perhaps best not to say it. So I wonder, as we've been speaking, what's the Lord been saying? What's he been encouraging you with or challenging you with as you've been receiving that? And what is it that he's asking you to actually go do? Because again, like James writes in verse, chapter 1, verse 22, we shouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we should do what it says on the tin. What is it that God's saying to you this morning? What's he encouraging you when it comes to your words that come from your mouths? What is it?